and you can be seated or stay standing up, but as, as we begin to worship the Lord this morning corporately, the Lord gave me, a, uh, I think, a pretty strong word for we and for the body of Christ. People out here watching on uh, the Internet and all of us, how many here do understand that the times we live in are not business as usual? There really is something different that's never happened before. This is called end times in the Bible, calls the days we live in end times, the last days. And lots of phrases like that. And, and you know, in everything there is in the Bible, there's always a beginning and there's always an ending. Your life began when you were conceived, and then you entered the earth. And then your life will live out, and someday you'll take your last breath and you'll leave the earth to the beginning and their ending. You know, you think about a marriage. A marriage begins when two people say, I do. And hopefully, they're able to stay saying, I do, till the day they leave the earth. And everything in life, you know, this beginning on your employment, where you work at, it began, and someday it'll end. You'll change jobs, or you'll retire, or something will happen, but there's a beginning and an ending, and God's the one. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the Bible says. He's the beginning and the ending of everything. And we as Christians, you know, Pastor Dave talked about back in Indiana, different people come up and say different things. And I know that over the course of ministry for about 40 years, I've met different people different times that are really, not really real uh, spiritually productive people. I call them kind of goofy people. And, you know, something will happen in their life really good are really bad, and they'll say, oh, I know God has a purpose for me. God's got a purpose for everybody. You all have a special purpose in God's eyes. Nobody has a special purpose but anybody else's purpose, because when God's involved, it's an important purpose to Him, so it's got to be important to you. Amen? Amen. But I want to read a verse that i got some things I want to tell you that I think will really help you. Now, put this on the screen. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. And this was God talking to his Old Testament people, talking to the leaders, and he said, out of the children of Ishakar, now listen to this, which were men that had understandings of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And so to make that statement that there's a group of men that understanding of the times know what Israel ought to do, then that tells me there must be some men that don't have understanding of the times we live in to know what to do. Doesn't that make sense? In other words, God would have said, because you're Israel, my chosen people at this time, you all have understanding. He didn't say that at all. He said some of these men do. And the body of Christ, we're God's people today. And the body of Christ today, Jesus compared us to sheep. And said sheep just wander around aimlessly, not knowing what to do, unless they got a shepherd. Said the shepherd knows what to do. So those sheep knew if they wanted to survive, that by instinct, they kept their eyes on the shepherd, stayed with the shepherd because the shepherd knew what to do. And so for today, I'm telling you right now, in our society, there's a lot of fake news. And the Bible, in the Greek, would mean good news. So 
so the Bible's good news and there's not good news. Anything that agrees with the Bible is good news. And so anything's not agreement with the Bible, it may be a fact out of the natural world, but according to the Bible, it's false news. You know, you get a diagnosis, that's a fact. But it doesn't have to be the end. The good news is you can be healed. And it also may be a fact sometimes you go through a financial crisis, and it may be a fact, but the good news is God will rebuke the devourer for you. And so all in all, that's what I'm saying is a lot of things in the world right now, as we were worshiping the Lord, I got to thinking. In this big Greek time we're starting to have, I got to thinking, man, some of these people in our church, I haven't even got to talk to face-to-face for almost two years now. You know, we've kind of been distanced. You know, the social distance. Social distance, it's sad to say, has distanced too many Christians from their shepherd from their fellow church members, from the body of Christ, and it's done damage. And then I was also thinking with the times we live in, that right now, if you see any kind of the fake news at all, we have lots of ships with supplies sitting out in the harbors around the nation. We have lots of kids in school that are being distanced from other people and lots of things going on. And so... What I'm saying is this, we're in the last days, the end times, nobody in the whole world, including the greatest spiritual leaders in the world, have been down this road before. You know, I don't know who you all follow on on teaching besides the church people here. I know that with the internet, there's a a lot of Bible teachers, a lot of preachers that are good people, but they've not been down this road before either. None of us have. And so God has set up a system. In the first Corinthians chapter 12 says God put in the church governments and helps. You got the people that are sitting out here and you got the people up here leading. And the way God works, he said, for example, in the marriage, he said the husband is the head of the wife. And by that he didn't say the husband is boss, the husband's better. He just said, I have given the husband the grace and the anointing to lead the family and the wife and the family looks to the husband. And if it's a good Bible family, the wife says, Honey, what are we going to do about this? And then the husband may say, Well, you know what? I don't really know what's in your heart to do. And then they get in agreement and they do it. And so all this said, here's what the Lord wants to say to us today. The times we live in can be the worst of times for us or the best of times for us. We're God's children. We're his sheep. He's our shepherd. He gave us instructions called the Bible. It's called good news. For all the things going on today that are out there to steal, kill, and destroy, they're not from God. He came to give us life, and that more abundantly. He didn't say in there, at asterisk, except during the time of the pandemic when the world shut down, then just forget what I said. He said he came to give us life. He gave us men to have understandings of what to do. And right now, the whole world is said, what are we going to do? They'll watch fake news, and they'll have, quote, 
there today, they'll say, don't do this. Then tomorrow they'll change. Say, hey, you better do this. And then the next day, they got another batch of experts that say, hey, 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 stop doing that. Don't do that. That's going to kill you. Then the next day, they'll say, you know what? We got new information now. You better do that because if you don't do that, that's going to kill you. And, you know, I'm not getting into the politics, but, you know, vaccine, no vaccine, all the up and downs, up and downs, all the things there is. God has the answers. He said, I've given you leaders to understand times to know what you ought to do. So here's what I'm saying to you right now, straight from heaven. This is not the time to play church and just come when it's convenient. This is not the time to have your priorities wrong and go chasing bunny trails. That's not going to help you win in life. This is the time that if you want to be a serious Christian, you should come to church. And I'm talking to people out there watching too that aren't even here. You should come to church at every opportunity. Don't let the devil get you sidetracked because Jesus works through authority. And he's graced pastors to be the head of the church like the husband is the head of the family. And in Ephesians chapter 5, he teaches that very thing. He says the church and the family are just alike. And so we as leaders are no better than anybody else. We're not on a higher level than anybody else, except just as the husband has the grace and the gift from God to protect his family and lead them, we as pastors have a grace and very, very scary, very scary to have to be a person that's going to answer to God for what did I say to these people out here. Because if we as pastors, Pastor Dave, Katie, Mrs. Pastor, as the leaders of this church, if we lead you wrong, then we're well aware that James chapter 3 says that we're judged more severely because it's more people's lives. Because when we speak from up here, it's not just a person we're speaking to. We're speaking to people that want to know how to lead their families. We're looking to people who want to know how to get their loved ones healed, want to know how to get the job they need, et cetera, et cetera. So we take our calling very seriously. So I'm saying this, based upon the Bible, our heads do not know everything. Our heads don't know much of anything, really, but our spirit has a gifting, an anointing of grace of God, like the things I'm saying right now. I had no idea I was going to say anything this morning except sit there and worship God with you, but as a spiritual leader, the Lord spoke to my heart to tell you this, that we will stay hooked up with the Holy Spirit. We'll listen to the Holy Spirit, and because we believe the Bible, we believe we're men and women that have understanding of the times we live in right now. And no matter what happens tomorrow with our economy, with whatever the newest virus is, with whatever the newest virus is, we don't know what's coming. Whatever, whatever the newest instructions are out there, we don't know what's coming. But here we do know. We just sang that song about how faithful Jesus is. Jesus told us, I'll give you shepherds with my heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I can promise you this. You have shepherds in this church that's going to walk with Jesus every day, swear to our own hurt and change not. We're not here because we're hirelings. In other words, we're not here for a paycheck. We're here by divine calling. 
And because we're here by that calling, we're going to listen, we're going to instruct, we're going to help. But if you're not here, we cannot help you. We can pray for you long distance, but I've dumped that social distance. Like, <laughs> I don't want any more of that social distance. I want you, your children, your grandchildren to have social relationships that God ordained. God calls it fellowship. He said, don't forsake the fellowship of the saints. Children need fellowship. Adults need fellowship. We all need fellowship. So if we will come together regularly and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, with one another, and do what Jesus told us to do, I can promise you, according to the Bible, Revelation 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, the love of our lives till the death. And so the times we live in, we are going to do what Jesus wants to do. And everybody around us that knows us will see it. And they will come to us and they'll ask us, how are you doing it? How are you doing it? And we're going to say, it's because of Jesus. And we've got a good church we go to. We hear the word of God. The Holy Spirit's there. Good fellowship's there. And because of that, we're not afraid about ships at the harbor not coming in. Because our ship comes from heaven. It's always got more than enough. We're not afraid about viruses because we lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus and they do recover. We're not afraid. We're not afraid about tomorrow because our God holds the future and we're holding his hand. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand and we'll go on. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, that was a good word for us this morning and I'm glad that uh, Pastor brought that forth to us. Amen. Well, we uh, have a special moment this morning with Austin and Katie, Brady and Seth and Robin. If we could get the Brady family to all come up. Um, praise God. Who appreciates the Bradys? Amen. The Brady Bunch. Yeah. Well, we love them. And so, yeah. Uh, so uh, some of you may know this, may not know this, but Austin uh, has received a promotion with the railroad and uh, has, is being transferred to Fort Worth, Texas. So they're going to be uh, being sent out. And obviously it's bittersweet for all of us. We love them with all of our hearts. But we're also excited because promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from God. And so we know that this is a great opportunity for them and an opportunity from the Lord. And, uh, you know, some of you were here when these guys came in. This guy was a beardless young Marine and uh, stationed at the MCLB Barstow. And, uh, and Katie uh, was just, a, you know, a couple years younger. And then Robin was still in Ohio. And uh, they had just lost their newborn baby, and they came to this church heartbroken, didn't know Jesus. They received Jesus, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and uh, they've grown here since 2014, I believe it was. And, uh, I mean, this is, if we could write a letter to the world from High Desert Word Center, this would be our letter, that Jesus saves, Jesus restores, Jesus will heal your family. And we all, for years, as we uh, stood in faith to... Uh, for this couple to have a baby. I mean, we fasted, we prayed. I, you know, as pastor uh, in their life, uh, I, I, I'm not someone that just goes around fasting. I mean, I do intermittent fasting for my gut, but I also, <laughs> I don't sit there and go on a 40 day fast, but there's been, you know, in 2000, uh, 
18 at least, you know, I fasted a couple of months, some different things in my life uh, to pray for them to have a baby. And, uh, and so Seth was born to all of us last year, and it was one of the... Uh, one of the just big success stories uh, and miracles that we've ever been able to celebrate around here. So uh, we love them. You know, I, I could keep going on and on. They've just done so much in the body of Christ here. And Katie's risen up to be a dynamic worship leader that could lead worship in any church in America. And Austin's been teaching the Bible and, and helping out with so many behind-the-scenes things. So we're very we're blessed. And so, yeah, we're sad, but we're also very happy uh, for them and know that God's doing something here to uh, to send them out and send them forth. And so we want to lay hands on them today and pray a prayer of blessing. This is Austin's last Sunday with us. He has to leave uh, this week for Texas. Katie will be with us for a couple more weeks, Katie and Robin and Seth. And uh, But I was already telling him, hey, I got some connections with Frontier Airlines. I could get you here every weekend for like 50 bucks. I mean, you got this much leg room, but I could get you here, okay? So uh, praise God. Can we stand up together, church family? Amen. We want to pray over them. All right. Praise God. Amen. We're going to lay hands on them. Stretch your hands forth this way, and we're going to bless them. And again, we'll we'll still have a couple weeks with Katie, and then and they're going to be with us in the future. I know that... It, you know, we're going to still see them, but Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we lay hands on Austin and Katie and Seth and Robin, and Lord, we're grateful for this last seven-year period that you've given us together, God, and Lord, we have, we've laughed, we've cried, we've celebrated, we've, we've, uh, we've been through a lot of things together, God, and we've seen this young couple go from their early 20s now, Lord, to 30 years old, and they're just growing in you, Lord. You've given us a baby out of this, God. And so we pray right now, Lord, that even as they're moving to a new chapter of their lives, God, we know, first of all, that that doesn't mean the door's just closed between us and them and that they're a part of our past. No, Lord, we're together in this thing until you come back to receive us all to heaven someday. But God, uh, we also know that you're going to keep using them. I pray that everywhere they go, everything they set their hand to, it is blessed just like you promised Abraham in his covenant, God. And we've got a better covenant with better promises. And so, Lord, I say in Jesus' name that they are safe, they are protected. And, Lord, we know that, hey, you're going to have to send them to a new church family. And so I pray that you help them find the perfect and right church family for them there in Texas, God, that they can plug in, they can serve in, Lord, that they can receive from, and that they can help bless that church, and they can continue to grow, God, uh, until you come back to get us in this rapture that's coming, Lord. So I thank you, in Jesus' name, for peace in the midst of this move and this transition, and we thank you, Lord, that they are blessed in every possible way, God, in the name of Jesus. Their finances, their health, their marriage, their family, their parenting, their new house, everything, Lord, we thank you that your hand is upon them every step of the way. Lord, we thank you, and you are good, and we declare that right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we say it right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we get an amen this morning, guys? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Well, I want to say this, that Austin is having to head out this week. And so as a church family, if there's any of you men or even women that could help lend a hand with some packing and they're doing some moving pods and stuff, could you please see them today and, uh, and, and just say, hey, I'm available to lift some boxes. Austin's going to be gone. We don't need Katie and Robin lifting a bunch of <laughs> heavy boxes and furniture into these moving containers. So if you could help them out, please see them after service and just say, hey, I'm available. And that would be a great blessing. Amen. So can we hear it for these guys one more time, everybody? We love them so much. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. I was supposed to preach following that. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just want to look at you because you're just beautiful. I just want to look at you. Is that okay with you? If I just look at you, you're awesome. How many of you, we've got a lot of new people at the church. How many of you have never been in a service where I've ministered? Okay, Brian, uh, Brian, right? Brian, anybody else not been here? Stephen, is it right? What? Vincent. Well, hi, Vincent. How are you? Well, I hope you don't have anything against women preachers because I are one. We've got a guy that comes. We've got a guy that comes here that uh, he's not here this morning, so I can say this. He was raised. His father was a Baptist minister. And so when he started coming here, he kind of looked cockeyed at me when I got up here, you know, because some denominations, they don't like women getting up here and saying stuff. But you know what? The first preacher was a woman that went to the tomb of Jesus and saw that he had raised from the dead and ran and told the rest of them. To preach means to tell, to teach, you know. And so the first preacher was actually a woman. Amen? So... Praise the Lord. So just pretend like I'm your mama because I am. You know, I'm Mrs. Pastor. I'm your spiritual mama. So I'm just going to talk to you today. Amen. We're going to learn some stuff. All right. Amen. I love you all. Let's just pray a minute. Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. Father, and I thank you, Lord, for these beautiful people at High Desert Word Center. We thank you, Lord, for the beautiful people on the Internet who can't be with us personally today. And, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for giving us ears to hear, giving us hearts to understand. And Lord, help us to receive today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if you did not get a a handout when you walked in the door, raise your hand. Our ushers have a handout. We haven't done handouts for a long, long time, but I was was getting this message ready. I thought, oh, we're doing a handout today. So I hope that's okay, Pastor Dave. He wasn't here to ask. He was in Texas. So So I thought, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this anyway. So yeah, raise your hand and we'll get you a, get you a, a, a handout, so you'll figure out how this works. I have added a scripture to the beginning of this whole thing. So see on your paper where it says Psalms 119, 165? In that space right above there, write this verse. Mark 4, verses 12 through 20. Mark 4, verses 12 through 20. And I'm in the New King James for all this, Okay. So we're going to start out reading in this. Do, 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 if I can find my. Okay. So that seeing they may not, may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. 
the parable of the sower explained. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? I don't want to read the whole parable, but you can go back and read from Mark chapter 4, verse 1, talks about the, the sower sows the word. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. What does the sower sow? The word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes when? Immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the one who ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. You know, you can think about believers. I hope none of this is you until we get to the end. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, why? For the word's sake. Immediately. You know what? I have a problem. They stumble. I have a problem with writing in my Bible, and then when I go to read it, I can't read it because my writing's in the way. <laughs> now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires, or King James says, the lust for other things, entering in choke what? Choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful but these are the ones sown on good ground those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit some 30 some 60 and some a hundredfold now back up here where it says it causes us to to stumble that means that in king james i like it better in king james it says it causes us to be offended offended so or shut down how many, how many can you can testify to the fact that if you're ticked off at somebody, you're shut down? I mean, wow. That means you're not being fruitful for the kingdom. That means you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing because you're all wrapped up in you, and you're all wrapped up in the fact that you're ticked off at somebody. Isn't that correct? It sure is. Amen. Okay, now go to, go to uh, Psalms 119, 165. Yeah. Praise God for the word. Amen. Where would we be without the word? Thank you, Jesus, for the word. Jesus is the word. Psalms 119, 165. Longest chapter in the Bible. Y'all there? Psalms 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love your law. What is his law? It's his word, right? His law is his word, okay? So you can say, great peace have those who love your word, and nothing shall cause them to stumble. Nothing shall cause them to be offended. Great peace have they which love thy law. King James says, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. So you can always tell if you're offended at something, that your word level's low. Isn't that the truth? I mean, you can think about your own life. When your word level's low, you just get ticked off at anything and anybody and whatever comes across your path. But that's not what the Lord wants for us, okay? So the title of my message today is The Devil's 
double batch of destruction, beware. Amen. It's at the top of your little paper here. So the first thing in the devil's double batch of destruction is offense. So one of the main things we're going to talk about today is being offended at other people. Now, there's two kinds of offense. One is justified. You, have, you really do have a reason to be ticked off. The second one is unjustified. You just think you have a reason to be ticked off, okay? And there are two ways that offense has come to you. You personally get offended by somebody, or you can pick up somebody else's offense. Right? You can be mad because sister so-and-so is mad. Right? Well, we're, we're, we're learning how to be aware of this, the devil's tricks here. Okay? Offense is like lice. How many of you just love lice? <laughs> Offenses can jump from one person to another just like that. Boop. You know those little lice bugs, they just jump from you to onto them or whatever, you know. So offenses are like lice. So remember that because nobody wants lice. So you got to remember that offense is nasty as lice. So that will help you know not to, to uh, <laughs> pick up on that. Also, offense has fruit. It's rotten fruit. If you're offended, you have rotten fruit. You don't have good fruit because your love is replaced by hatred. Your joy leaves, right? You don't have one lick of joy. And bitterness comes in. You become bitter. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be in uh, verses 14 and 15. This says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Well, you know when you get offended that it starts to grow. In you, the offense starts to grow in you. It becomes a root of bitterness. You know, I've heard that, you know, you see a big tall tree. I've heard that the roots in a tree are just as deep underneath the tree. What you see underground is just as great as what you see above the ground. So imagine this. If you're offended and you're not doing something about that offense, that you've got a root of bitterness that has started to grow within you, and it goes down deep just like it does a tree. So when you see a tree, like the little tree out we've got out here, thank you, Frank, for trimming the trees for us, the roots in that tree out there are just as deep below the ground as they are above the ground. Now, those, trees are, those roots are nice roots, but when we get a root of bitterness, that is not nice. Okay, that is not good. Look at Proverbs 6. Now, this is how... Some of the offenses come. Proverbs 6, we'll look at verse 16 through 19. 
these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an, are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, look at this one, and one who sows discord among the brethren. So if you're picking up somebody else's offense, obviously it had to come out of their mouth into your ears, correct? Otherwise you wouldn't have known why they were offended, right? I had one of the sisters came to me the other day and she said, boy, somebody came to me and they're just gossiping, gossiping. And I said, well, you better tell me what they said because as pastors we need to know what they're saying, you know. And so this person was just, just talking about someone else in the church. And she said, you know what I told him? I said, what did you tell him? She said, I told him, I don't want to hear it. So see, that's the way that works. Somebody comes tries to use your ears for a, a, a trash bin. You say, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to hear it. Because you cannot afford spiritually or any other way to pick up somebody else's offense. Hey, you got a big enough job just not being offended your own self, right? Never mind picking up everybody else's offenses. So you've really got to be aware of this because it shuts us down if we're offended. We don't become fruitful, and we aren't very happy people when we're offended. Amen? Amen. So the second part of this double batch, offense leads to, number two, unforgiveness. Leads to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness isn't good either. We're going to see that right now. Look at look at Mark chapter 11. Find out what happens with unforgiveness. What does Jesus have to say about unforgiveness? Mark 11. Oh, I forgot to get something. Melinda, do we have the bait of Satan back there? If we do, could you bring me a copy? Please. Mark 11. I'll get there eventually. Okay, look at verses uh, 22 through 26. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whosoever says, says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Therefore, thank you, say to you whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, we all love those verses, don't we? Those are the hallelujah, shouting, yes, amen verses. But look at this. Go down to verse 15. Verse 15 says this. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything, say anything, against anyone, say anyone, forgive him. Say forgive him. Why? That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Say forgive me. But if you do not forgive, whoa, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses, your sins. 
Now that ought, that ought to shake you up a little bit. You cannot afford to be offended. We cannot afford to be offended at anybody. We cannot afford to harbor unforgiveness. So we can't do any of those things, right? Amen, amen. Okay. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know, you may be uh, offended and not even really know it. <laughs> but you know, because of the rotten fruit that all of a sudden you're, 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 uh, replaced, you're, you're going through, you know, your love feelings are gone. It's replaced by hatred. Joy in your life leaves. Bitterness comes in. And we talked about the root of bitterness, and we're talking about unforgiveness now. You must be aware and know when the devil walks into your life with offense and then forgiveness, into your relationships with your husband, with your children, with your parents, with your brothers and sisters in Christ, with those in your work area, you, you must know that the devil's out to destroy you with any and all offenses, any, doesn't matter what kind. Do you know what offense and, and for unforgiveness does to your face? You know, we're always faces to be nice, you know, but when we're offended or when we're not forgiving somebody, a, a lovely face can turn into a very bitter, disheveled looking old face, you know, doesn't it though? So it's not, we're not doing ourselves any favors by harboring offense or unforgiveness. Okay, let's look at James chapter one here. Hold your spot there. I'm going to back up a minute. Remember we talked about how we have to be cautious that we aren't offended against our husbands, against our children, against our parents. Remember that? I just, I just said that. I want to give you, uh, this is especially true with married couples. So Mar how many of you have ever been offended at your husband and your wife? <laughs> yeah. And the rest of you are lying. You're flat out lying. Let's do this again. How many of you have ever been offended at your husband or your wife? All right, that's a little bit better. Now, liars have their place in the lake of fire, so, you know, don't lie, especially in the house of God, okay, because he knows. Okay, so I just want to give you a couple of illustrations from Pastor and I. You know, we think, oh, we never get offended at each other. Oh, my gosh. What? No, I'm telling about I'm ratting on me first, then I'm going to rat on you. But it has to do with both of us, actually. Okay, so I have this thing, okay? When I ask you a question, I want an answer, you know? Like, do you want bacon for breakfast? I, don't, I want it yes or a no, you know? Either you do or you don't. Well, pastor has to think about it. So, whoops, there goes my airplane. So, pastor has to think about it, and I'll say, okay, pa you know, I don't call him pastor at home. I call him dad or Bernie. I'll say, do you want bacon for breakfast? I don't get an answer. Well, then I get ticked off and I say, yes or no. Do you want bacon or you don't want bacon? You know, because I have things to do, and if I'm going to cook bacon, I want to go get the bacon cooked, right? Well, that offends him when I do that. So I'm trying my very best not to do the yes or no, yes or no, yes or no, he calls it. Okay, now this is what ticks me off. <laughs> 
Yesterday was a wonderful day for this. You shouldn't have been there. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you, most of you know that our house is sold and we're moving uh, to another place in, in, you know, in the area. We're not leaving anybody. But uh, it's a lot of work. And so, I mean, it must have been at least six times pastor says to me, I'm so organized, meaning himself, quote, unquote. I'm so organized. And I thought, Translated to a woman, that means you're not organized. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I've boxed up all this stuff. I got the kitchen stuff here in the kitchen boxes, the master bedroom over here. I am organized. And so I told him yesterday, I said, you know what? That really upsets me. It really does. Because it makes me think I'm not organized. Now, women, how many of you women translate what I translate is? Okay, now see, this is a this is a man-wife thing. And where's Pastor Josh? Joshua and Katie, you have got to do your next ministry thing on marriages, a thing on what, Julie? Oh, yeah, Katie. Josh and those two back there. That's okay. I've got to mix up my whole life. You know, I always say, whatever your name is, I get down to that part. Whatever your name is, right, boys and girls? <laughs> The only one I never got messed up was Ann because she was the only girl. So I could, you know, I could say Ann and that was it. But the rest of them I had to go through the list before I got to the right one. So the next time you do a married things, you need to do some kind of a thing where a guy says, the husband says something and the wife takes it this way. But he doesn't mean it that way. But this is how we take it. Now, every, no, every, every, every wife's hand in here went up. But that's the truth. But then we say stuff to them that really gets on their manhood. So I asked him, I asked him last night, I said, would you please stop? I said, if you never again say that you're organized, I said, it would be the best thing in my life. If you never again say that. So we're working on it, you know. So that must mean that if we're working on it, you're working on it at your house, right? So I just wanted to let you know that. Also, I want to show you this book. This book is the absolute best book in the entire world on offense. It's written by John Bevere. It's called The Bait of Satan. This, this book is just outstanding. It's the best book there is on the subject of offense. And so if you want to, you know, learn more about it, you know, get it out of the bookstores. It's beautiful, excellent book, excellent book. Teaches you all kinds of stuff. But I'm not going there today because... It would take us all day long to read that book, so we're not going to do that. Okay, now let me get back to where I was. Oh, yeah, we're in James chapter 1, aren't we? Okay, now I've got to get to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let's look at uh, verse 2. Yeah, good place to be, huh? James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, etc. Then it goes all down and tells everything that you've, that you've uh, developed when you, when you count it all joy. But why would we count offenses and unforgiveness a thing of joy to be joyful about? Because... If we haven't already, we need to grow into the positions in our Christian life that we recognize the devil and his works, right? 
So the joy comes when all of a sudden we see the offense or the unforgiveness coming down the pike, and we, we are aware of it just like that. That's called maturing in the Lord, right? We're growing in the Lord, and we're getting to that point. So we're joyful about that because we know that we don't have to fall for it, okay? Look at James. Just jump down there to verse 7. Verse 7 says this. For let not that man, the man up above here, suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. So we want to be stable-minded. We don't want to be double-minded. We want to be mature in the Lord because if we're fall if we say we're believers and we're falling all the time for unforgiveness and offense then we're double minded you see that we become double minded because we're not we're not exactly doing what we're supposed to be doing according to the word of god we're not loving we're not forgiving no we've picked up an offense we've picked up unforgiveness we're hating we're bitter we're bleh, you know not happy, not joyful, and so that's not good, see? So we do not want to be double-minded. We want to grow in the Lord to the point where if all of a sudden an offense comes, kind of like the lady that told me the other day, somebody came to me and wanted to gossip, and I said, I don't want to hear it. See, you just got to kind of shield yourself, you know? You're shielding yourself from this offense that's, that's trying to come your way or this unforgiveness that's trying to come your way. You're shielding yourself against it. We've got to get rid of that stuff. You know, um, around here, I'm just throwing this verse in here. It may or may not pertain to anything at all in particular, but I'm just going to do it. Um, look at John 10.10. 10. John 10.10. 10. Now, if you don't know how to quote John 10.10, 10, you will. <laughs> That's kind of like kind of like some, a few other verses around here we all know by heart. Okay, John 10.10 10 says this. The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's, the, that's Satan's job. He's the thief, right? So he comes, he comes to steal, he comes to kill in our lives, and he comes to destroy in our lives. Well, is offense one of these? Is offense stealing, killing, and destroying? Yeah. Is unforgiveness, you know, stealing, killing, and destroying in our lives? But look what Jesus said. Jesus said, but I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So abundant life is a life of joy, a life of love, a life of forgiveness. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we want in our lives. So you always have to recognize when something's coming down the pike, is it on the stealing, killing, and destroying side, or is it on the life and that more abundantly side? So you have to kind of ascertain those things too. Something else that will waltz on in with offense is jealousy. If you're harboring offense, you'll see the person you are offended at going about their lives. And they're happy, they're having victory while you're still seething inside. <laughs> right? They aren't the ones that are hurt, you are. Just because you're harboring an offense against sister so-and-so, doesn't mean that sister so-and-so is hurt. She's going about her life just happy as can be. It's you're the one because you're harboring 
you're hanging on to that offense, that unforgiveness. You're hanging on to it, and you can't do that. Great peace, well, Psalms 119, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You can even say that to one another, you know, at home when you're, <laughs> when you're having your little offenses with one another. You can say, Psalms 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Your word level's low. <laughs> Works every time. Okay, now listen to this. How do you prevent or recover from an offense and an unforgiveness? How do you recover from this? You've got to get over it. If you don't get over it, you heard what Jesus said there over in Mark chapter 11. If you're not forgiving these people, I'm not going to forgive you either, right? So we've got to realize that we have got to get over this. Say, I've got to get over this. You've got to, amen? So how do you prevent or recover from offense or unforgiveness? Number one, you need to take a word back. Why? Because Psalms 119, 165 says, Great peace of they which love thy law, and what shall offend them? Nothing shall offend them. So your word level's low. You need to take a word back. You need to get in the word. I'm telling you what, if you've, if you've got a, uh, some kind of an app, back in the day we had tapes and CDs and stuff like that. If you have some kind of an app that reads the Bible to you, you know, put it on, play it all the time when you're in the kitchen, when you're riding down the road, you know, when you're going to bed at night, play that word. Because even if you're sleeping, it goes right into your spirit. You need a word bath, okay? Number two, you need to recognize the strategies of the devil. You need to recognize what he's doing right off the get-go. Right off the get-go. And number, number three, you need to repent quickly. You need to quickly forgive. Oh, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. And if you need to go to somebody like your husband or your wife or your kids or even your children, you know, sometimes you need to teach your children this too. Mommy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. But you at the same time, Johnny, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to do that. You know, keep the, keep the peace in your home. Look at, look at James. Let me, this isn't on your paper, but I just want to, I'm going to close with this scripture here. James, James, poor James. <laughs> He's in here somewhere. There he is. Oh, I know, it's James 3.16. It's one of those 3.16 verses. Oh, here we are. Think about your home. Think about your workplace. Think about your church. James 3.16. For where envy, this says self-seeking, but... King James says, where envy and strife, I like that word strife better. For where any envy and strife exist, confusion and every evil work are there. Confusion and every evil work are there. Where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. You know, along with <coughs> offense and unforgiveness, there's some envy and strife in there somewhere. Okay, picture yourself at your home. Okay, there you are at your home. Everything's lovely. Everything's going great. 
And all of a sudden, it's like an explosion goes off right in the middle of your kitchen, your living room, or whatever. You see, you got you to recognize who just walked in the door. Satan just walked in the door. What did he bring in? Envy and strife. He just walked in with envy and strife. And too many times we fall for it. Oh, yeah, you want to fight? Let's fight. You know? But then you got to realize that, wait a minute. That wasn't here a minute ago. How did it, how did, how, how all of a sudden did the scene change? Well, because Satan just walked through the door. So this is what you do. You stop and you say, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Get out of my house. You take your enemy and strife and you go from here in Jesus' name. you got to learn how to take authority over you, where you are, your home, your workplace, your church. Get out of here, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Take your envy and strife and go. And, Father, thank you, Lord, for your peace and your love returning. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Pastor, samples. Yoo-hoo. Dad, are you awake? Hey. He's, oh. <laughs> Would you like to add anything to this? You don't, he doesn't want to offend me. Okay, well, it would be better than if you don't, right? Amen, amen. Well, I am done. I hope this helps somebody. We're <laughs> Amen. Pastor Dave, come on up. Praise God. Well, that was a really good word for us today, wasn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. We know that that's one of the biggest areas that Satan tries to attack us in is in what we refer to as our love walk. And, uh, and where none of us are immune to it, the devil tries to come in, and uh, just as she said a minute ago, you got to recognize what it is that he's trying to do. And so I pray today that if you recognize any of that in your life, if there's been a root growing down, listen, you got to deal with it quick. you got to uh, nip it in the bud, as Barney Fife used to say on Andy Griffith. You've got to nip that thing in the bud because the further that we don't deal with these things, the more time we're giving those roots to go down, and it's a lot harder to deal with a little weed that sprouted than a mighty oak tree, and you've got to do some serious work on that thing. And so if God spoke to your heart today, you're responsible for doing something about that. James 1.22 says to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. If God spoke to you today, it's up to you now to do something with it or else you'll be deceiving yourselves according to James 1.22. Amen. Can we stand up together this morning? Praise God. Hallelujah. Man, it's been a great service today and I know, uh, you, you know, it's been a little different, but I love it and God's really speaking to us. Well, we're going to um, go ahead and open up the altars. If I could have my prayer team come on up today. And we'll have Josh lead us in worship here for a minute. If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. But especially if you know that you don't have things right with the Lord right now. Maybe you did at one point in time, but you kind of walked away. We know he said that he would never leave us or forsake us, and he won't. But it is possible for us to kind of walk away from God, and that happens. But the good news is today we can restore that relationship. Or maybe you're here and you've just flat out, you've never really uh, uh, given your life to Jesus. That needs to happen today. Amen. That needs to happen today. And so I would encourage you to come up and let one of us pray for you. But if you need prayer for anything at all, we're here today and we want to pray with you. And if God had spoke to your heart about that offense, you need to do something about that. 
That's, you need to do something about that. Amen. All right, Josh, go ahead and lead us in some worship, and, and we'll be here to pray. Great is your faithfulness to me. Is your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting sun? I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me.
is your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same I will praise your name and great is your faithfulness to me and great is your faithfulness to me and great is your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same I will praise your Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. our hands to the Lord. Father, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness. And Lord, we know when we raise our hands, number one, this this is an outward expression of our inward worship, Lord, because the Bible says we raise our hands to worship you. And then also, Lord, we know that in, in warfare, when the enemy raises hands, it's surrender. Well, before we were born again, we were your enemies, but now we've surrendered, Lord. And so we raise our hands again as surrendering our lives to you, Jesus, for all that you have for us and all you want to do. We surrender totally to you, and we thank you, Lord, that we are going to keep what's imparted to our hearts today. We're not going to allow offense or unforgiveness to shut off the power of God in our lives. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now stay hooked up. I want to tell you one more thing. Uh, tonight I'm going to be teaching about how to know if you're following Jesus. How many know that even as Christians we got a will and we can either follow or not? And, uh, you know, if an attack comes in your life, one of two things. You're either in the will of God or you're out of the will of God. Attacks come even if you're in the will of God. But if you know you're in the will of God, it's much easier use your faith to get those attacks off. Amen? And so one of the verses I'm going to use tonight talks about keep your eyes on Jesus. And about 20 years ago, the Lord spoke this expression to me, and I wrote it in my Bible, and I've always, I've always looked at it over and over again. The Holy Spirit said, just as plain as I'm talking to you right now, he said this to me, to keep your eyes on Jesus is to keep your eyes on the Word. When you keep your eyes on the Word, you're keeping your eyes on Jesus. Because how many know Jesus and the Word are one and the same? They're always in agreement. And so if you're a Christian, that's not making your decisions based upon the Word of God and the faith you use from the Word of God to make that decision in the first place. When going gets rough, if you don't keep your eyes on that Word, then your eyes are off Jesus because they're not on the Word. You go around saying all day long, got my eyes on Jesus. And if I said, okay, uh, tell me three verses, 
that you're identifying with right now for what you're going through. Well, I don't have any verse. I'm just watching Jesus. Well, I don't know how to say it the other way except you're deceived. Because Jesus is the word of the same, you've got to keep your eyes on Bible verses. And so tonight, uh, I'm going to help you because if you don't know how to learn Bible verses, if you don't know Bible verses, you for sure don't have your eyes on Jesus. You get by on mercy for a while, but there comes a point in time that God can't bless ignorance anymore. Because when you know what to do and you don't do it, the Bible says it's sin. So if you know that there's verses you need to be learning, God will have mercy for a while, but if you decide you just want to be dumb, then dumb don't get blessed. Amen. So anyway, tonight, tonight, if, especially if you're in a rocky time right now, an uncertain time, come tonight, and I will help fine-tune you to be able to see, to make sure your eyes are on Jesus. And if they're really not on Jesus, tonight will help you to get your eyes focused so they're on Jesus. Amen. Be in the right direction. Well, let's make our Barstow faith confession. Then we'll go out and we'll have some good dinner, whatever we do, and we'll get rested up. And if your schedule permits, be back tonight. Amen. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.